Welcome murder fans and welcome to writers and aspiring writers to Murder Inc, the art of writing crime with me, your host, award-winning crime author Keith Wright. I'm the author of the Inspector Stark series of crime novels. You're listening to episode 10, Making Mundane Entertain. So in this podcast, I'm talking about storytelling, not just writing and all the grammar and all that stuff. That's for others. Um, Some of the general observations will serve you well, no matter what genre uh, you're writing. Um, Some little bits uh, relate to crime, uh, but a lot of it really is about general storytelling and writing. Some tips on uh, how to make the book have a little bit more flavour, be a little bit more interesting, perhaps. Um, I guess you're thinking about writing a book, or you are writing a book. Um, It's your book, isn't it, that you're writing, or going to write. You decide what advice you listen to, and what you want to ignore, of course. Um, Those that have uh, been along on this journey so far will know um, the usual setup. Um, I'll read a a, a little section, just a small bit from... uh, one of my books in this uh, series, it's uh, One Oblique One, uh, from the first book from the Inspector Stark series. And then when I've gone uh, through it, uh, we'll have a chat, talk about why it was written like that, the words or phrases that have been used, um, hitting on maybe some themes as we go through it. With this one, there are times in the book where... I say mundane, but you have to connect the book through on its journey. And sometimes, you know, we can't and shouldn't have uh, big dramas and uh, high-speed activities in the book because, you know, it would be too much for the reader. We want to be on a roller coaster ride and we need thought-provoking issues too and and good prose and all of those things that um, give books give books quality. You don't have to take everything I say literally, of course, just soak bits in that appeal to you, that's all. Um, are these secrets? Well, there are no real secrets. It comes from your damn soul if you let it. It'll come out. It really will. It's inside you. So there are no disclaimers or uh, trigger warning. Um, with this one, relatively uh, straightforward. The piece I'm going to read you um, could actually read as, as follows. The woman saw the envelope on the counter. It was addressed to D.I. Stark, and she put it in his pigeonhole. Curiosity got the better of her, and she read it. It made no sense. She put it back. And that would have been it. That will cover the... Um, cover all the things that are important to take the story forward but as I say it's a connecting uh, bit of prose it's designed to inform the reader what's going on offer some hints as to the origin of the envelope um, while setting up clues for the reader to ponder Um, anyway let me read it uh, for you and we can discuss what the ingredients are uh, for making this passage move um, a little bit more engaging than the one I just, I just gave you. Okay, 
swig of tea, folks, and then we're into it. Here we go. Not too long, reasonably short. The diminutive 12-year-old Jamaican boy should have been tucked up in bed at 1.20am, but his parents had long since given up on him. He could scarcely reach the counter of Nottingham Police Station, and it was by standing on his tiptoes that he placed the envelope onto the counter. It lay there for quite a while, as the boy had not been visible. It was as if the envelope had appeared from nowhere. The young female receptionist glanced at the envelope. It simply read, Stark. She shouted through the plastic hole, Hello, anybody there? With no reply forthcoming, she tentatively opened the window and took hold of the envelope. She shrugged and threw the envelope into one of the twenty pigeonholes screwed to the wall. Each pigeonhole had the name of the intended recipient stuck underneath it, with embossed tape. Socks was hanging off and was askew, so she got out that weird piece of machinery from the drawer. This was one of those tasks for the night shift. The Dymo label embosser had a roll of plastic tape and an alphabet wheel over the top of it. You set the letter you wanted by turning the clicking wheel and squeeze the handle. It would indent the letter into the plastic, also stretching it so that the letter was paler than the background. You then squeezed the cutter and you had a label. That is once you'd peeled the fiddly backing strip off. She stuck the new label, this dark, onto the bottom of the pigeonhole. That's better, she said to herself, feeling somewhat pleased. She'd forgotten the spacing, but she couldn't be bothered to do it all again. She felt as if she'd achieved something. It felt good, sort of relative. She glanced again at the envelope. She was curious. It was never expressed to her that they couldn't open envelopes. Not that she could remember anyway. No, better, better leave it. She sat down at the desk. It was quiet. She doodled on the blotting paper that filled the square mat on the desk. There was scarcely room for another doodle, but she managed it. She then tapped her fingers on the desk and looked again at the dis-dark hole. It was beckoning her. There was no way she was going to last the next four hours and forty minutes. She returned to the envelope. It was thin but had a small piece of paper just visible inside with typing on it. She held it up to the light. No good. She put it back in the pigeonhole and then took it out again, hastily ripping the envelope open and shaking the contents out onto the desk. She read the note. Weird. She said to no one. Some nutter. She sealed it back into a new envelope and wrote D.I. Stark on it and put it back from whence it came. Mr. Stark would see it in the morning. She had written the contents of the note onto the blotting paper next to her doodle dog. It was a riddle or some cryptic message. It would give her something to do. The warm bride who would have fame without me, whirled and jigged in black, would take with her a sigh the night she left. With open arms she welcomed the covered hand 
that smite her down. The trusting eye looks out, not in. Signed, the father's son. Okay, folks, that is uh, a little bit I wanted to read. So as I say, uh, you know, the first bit that I read out at the start of the episode would probably fulfil what we're trying to achieve with the scene, really. So, um, let's have a look at what um, what it's all about and what we've done there. Um, you know, the journey is the same, isn't it, from... It gets an envelope, she's tempted by it, blah, blah, blah. But we, we want to take the more picturesque route, don't we? So if, if something's to be of interest, it's got to include issues that pique our interests as humans and what might these be, these are thoughts you might be having. So what are, you know, what are we interested in now? You know, this isn't a definitive list. There's a myriad of things that we're interested in. Um, but in this instance, you know, we've got human traits, things that we can perhaps relate to, a little bit of nostalgia, some memories, human frailties, tad little uh, wound down bit of suspense, some emotions and puzzles and riddles and all that sort of thing. So there's lots of other things, isn't there? You know, there's romance, isn't there? Um, there's a little bit of surprise, perhaps. Um, there's all sorts of things you can introduce into a mundane uh, scene um, that is going to um, help it along and, and, and stop uh, people thinking, oh, this is just a journeyman piece um, and, and, and break the spell of the book. Because hopefully as they're into the book, um, they're in that mode. And we don't want to come out of that mode, do we, to uh, just present it as, as a factual piece. Um, there needs to be because the, every, everything that happens, there's always side issues and activity that's perhaps of interest. Not necessarily the focus of that piece, but um, it's, it's activity and of interest to people, but even as a side issue. Um, so in the passage I've just read um, from the book, we find human traits, don't we? So relatable things. Um, such as the receptionist's curiosity to read the letter. We've all been in that situation, I suspect, where um, we want to try and uh, find out what's in something, a little secret. The fact that the letter's calling to her from the pigeonhole gives it a little bit of flavour. It was beckoning her. And we've had that, you know, she's not going to sit there for four, the next four hours plus um, looking out the reception area and uh, that envelope hanging over the pigeonhole ledge um, she can't contain herself. Um, we've all had our, our, our curiosity do this to us, haven't we? Um, so I've thrown in some nostalgia. So, you know, nostalgia isn't just about memories and so on um, of, of, of bygone days. It's also activities that trigger us. This is the 1980s. But it helps the reader uh, another little point to the 1980s when we have this dymo. Some of you might not know what that is, but it's a very mechanical piece of thing with this little clicky wheel on the end. And you set it to A and pull the lever, click. That's A that's embossed onto the sticker. Uh, move it along to D, say, uh, squeeze D, and so on. And that's, uh, you know, a lot of us have forgotten about that little piece of machinery, but everybody used to use it to make labels with. 
Um, and I, I suspect the touchstone being this little fiddly, because it was quite easy to do, other than trying to get that fiddly sticky label off the back. And these are little pinch points and triggers um, that, uh, that can uh, trigger with the reader. Human frailties. Um, I guess, you know, let's face it, this is a murder inquiry. She, as the receptionist, knows it's all going on. Um, we see these nuances in her mistake when printing uh, D.I. Stark's name on the label, for example. Um, no spacing in between. Again, it's just a little nuance of... It's just... She's just printing it, but it's just nice to throw that... And the fact that, oh, I can't be asked to change it. That sort of human, isn't it? Um, we, we, we can all relate to that. And this internalised argument she has with herself, how her um, subconscious tries to persuade her to open the letter. It's creating a little bit of suspense dialed down. Um, uh, and then the, the psychology of, is she going to do it? The psychology of her trying to persuade herself it's all okay. Um, you know, it was never expressed that she couldn't open the envelope, was it? You know, um, never actually told her specifically. So she's trying to persuade herself, and that's how the brain works, isn't it? Um, it's a frailty. Um, we, we all succumb to this, don't we, when we want to do something. We search for ways to justify it to ourselves. Um, the suspense, I go, I say, is this, is she, is she, will she, won't she? Is she, she put it in this pigeonhole, now she's put it back again, she takes it out, will she, won't she, will she, won't she? So, well, well it's well dialed down, but as I've said before, you know, the suspense and emotions, uh, they're all whirling around this to greater or lesser extent. We're shouting, open it to her in her head, aren't we, as, as a reader? We, all, we want to know what's in the envelope. And so it's creating, again, a need in the reader um, out, of, out of nothing, really. The emotional element might be missed by some, but the, the hardcore readers of crime books and, and, and many writers will be annoyed uh, that she's replaced the envelope with a new one and written Stark's name on it herself. No, you just, you know, this has destroyed a potential source of forensics, fingerprints, handwriting, caused confusion because there'll be two different sets of handwriting now evident. So particular crime readers will pick up on that straight away. Um, and that, that's creating that sort of annoyance, frustration, if you like, um, again, out of nothing. And then we have the riddle itself um, and the receptionist writing on the blotting papers. It's just a little device um, to get the brain cells going for the reader and an excuse to actually write that riddle out. It might seem a bit odd out of context, that, by the way, just reading that little piece there, but it um, it all is revealed as you might imagine as you, as you as the book uh, continues forward as to why it was written like that, etc. Um, so again, it's all about thinking. What's of interest to the human? What do we like? We like, and it generally revolves around revolves around people. And, uh, and relating to those people ourselves. What would we do in those, uh, in that set of circumstances? And 
Well, as I say, this is we're working backwards here. We're working from the piece. You aren't, I, I doubt very much, and, and perhaps shouldn't, sort of do it in such a scientific way that you're thinking, right, I'll make a list of what's of interest. What I would recommend you do is you, in this knowledge that we've got a, a piece of business to put on the page, um, but trying to, how can I make it interesting without going off on a tangent too much? And so I, I would recommend that you write the piece. I mean, you could even start at the, <laughs> at the point that I did at the start of this episode, couldn't you? Um, if you, that's really, really bare bones. And um, but then having having written out whatever you want to, where you want to go, the key elements of what the messages of the scene and what you're hoping to achieve with the scene. Um, that's when, um, as you know, these, this is just the skeleton bare bones. We now need to put a little bit of flesh on it. Um, then we're going into uh, a layer of layer of subcutaneous fat and skin, and if you like a few little nuanced hairs on the skin, uh, just for good measure. So don't get too. I'd, I'd hate it if you got too wound up about um, the the mechanics of it because you, you don't want it to feel mechanic mechanical, do you? Um, but it's kind of this sort of strange paradox that actually there are mechanics to it in, in a lot of ways, even though they're quite fundamental. And uh, and so, you know, by by me going through this, it's like, what I don't want to do is engender in you this sort of mechanical prose. That would be the last thing I'd want to do. I know you get that. I just wanted to, to underline it because, you know, I, I, I'm not sure of who's listening to the podcast from the point of view of your ability it might be somebody who's never written a darn thing in their life and um, and so you know we, we need to look after and support um, people who have got an interest like that because they you know may well have it in them and be talented um, so yeah write the darn thing how you like and it's all about this going back isn't it and editing and building on it and, and getting your head in that space of the activity and seeing almost you know as a witness or seeing what might be happening you could have thrown a, a couple of uh, vagrants in the foyer for example couldn't you there's a bit of flavor in the, in this instance um you could have made uh, the envelope wet or, or or dirty or you could have had an exchange between the little boy and the receptionist and she tries he runs away and she tries you know all, all of these things are possible aren't they and it's just about deciding what you want it to be um and that you, so you're not repeating all the these sort of activities in the in the gaps in throughout the novel. It wants to be uh, uh, different colours. Yes, we want to colour it up, but it wants to be different colours: blue, red, green. It doesn't. You know, it, it wants to be um, a diverse mix of ideas and incidents. And um, and so, yeah. So I, I'm sure you get the idea. Write the darn thing out, and but then there's nothing wrong in thinking, okay, what, how can I flavour it? It might be that there's something that you want to say. I mean, I touched on it really at the start with, um, you know, this kid was out at 20 past one in the morning, his kids, his parents don't give a damn about him, seemingly. They're giving up on him, you know. 
And oh yeah, there are those kids. Of course, we don't think about them or see them day to day, do we? Um, because um, we're too busy to live in our lives. But they're around, aren't they, in the early hours of the morning? Trust me, they are. Um, and uh, running little errands, perhaps, for gangsters. But anyway, that's what really this is that's happening in the book. Um, so, there you have a journeyman uh, piece of writing. Hopefully turned into something that's a little bit engaging. Um, uh, pressing buttons in the reader's head without it kind of registering. Um, incidentally, um, just as an aside, don't try to solve the riddle. Um, you can't. You need to have read the book um, uh, <laughs> to be able to do so because uh, you, it's not... Uh, there's things in there that you, that you you need to have read the book to, to solve the riddle. Um, so try and solve it. You'll you waste your time. So, okay. Relatively straightforward. Making the mundane entertain. It's what we're trying to do is entertain and inform. Uh, mainly entertain, isn't it? And uh, make things thought-provoking. That will do us for this uh, episode. Um... Let's think about writing a conversational style if you were to talk about it uh, to somebody. That's what storytelling is. You're telling a story, on, albeit on the written page. And uh, let's try and tickle those neurons uh, up in the right place. And spread the word if you would, if you like these little skits. Just uh, little tips and advice to try and support and help new, new writers. Um, so spread the word if you would. Um, we've got a nice little band of, uh, of followers uh, going at the moment and it'd be nice to, to broaden that out and, and let's encourage writing and, and reading. Um, so that's it. Another episode of Murder Inc. The Art of Writing Crime coming to an end. Uh, you can contact me, don't forget. Ask me any question you like. I don't mind in the slightest. And the whole point is... Uh, to try to support you and uh, give you some options to consider. Um, and I, I, I can anonymously use some of the questions on the show if I think that it's going to take us somewhere. Um, or if you prefer not, that's okay. It's all good, folks. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it, got something from it. You know I enjoy doing them, I really do. Um, thank you for listening uh, to Murder, Inc., The Art of Writing Crime. See you next time.